Hey everyone, welcome to the Style That Binds Us podcast. If you are joining us for the first time, my name is Delia Folk and I previously worked on the buying team at Barney's New York and my mom, Allison Brune, is an in-demand national wardrobe consultant. We are the co-hosts for this podcast. Our mission is to give access to the often closed, exclusive and insular fashion industry. In the podcast, we interview movers and shakers in the fashion, beauty, jewelry, art, and entrepreneurial space. We want you to walk away having learned something, feeling inspired and confident. You belong with us, and we are better because you are here. We hope you enjoy. Today, we are with Jean Prunis. She is the founder of Prunis and it launched in 2017. And the line is threaded with this rich family history from owning a cabaret club called Versailles in New York City in the 1940s. And Edith Piaf was a regular performer. So Mm -hmm. we're definitely gonna talk a lot about that. Mm -hmm. We are so excited to have you here today. And we had been emailing for a while and finally met at the Frick yes. Garden Party. We yeah. all... Oh, yeah. I know. What was... a lovely place to meet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What a night. Yeah. So let's talk about when you were putting together your brand, mm-hmm. what did you take into consideration from your family heritage? Yeah. So I always wanted to kind of have an homage to my great grandparents in the nightclub of Versailles. Um, and I always loved jewelry. So it felt like a really great... Um, connection between the two also because my my family history is greek and i've always loved ancient greek jewelry so it was a great hybrid of those two passions um growing up my grandfather also had this amazing archive of books that um like one right there is greek geometric art that was one that he had and i take a lot of inspiration from these books Yeah. yeah So whether it's pottery or architecture or jewelry, sure. that's where I'm getting a lot of my inspiration and build the collection yeah. from these sources. Yeah. So, yeah. That's fabulous. So let's talk about the details from sure. Versailles that are present in your collection and also just little things that you've recreated yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. So first thing that I, I was really excited about were the sage green tablecloths from the Versailles, which are right here. Um, this one oh, has been worn that. for sure. But so I use the sage green in all of my branding and you can see it in my pouches. I have these suede pouches that say prunus on them, but the tables were typically round. So I, I went with a round style. So it That's really like great. was inspired by those tables and tablecloths. Beautiful, so, this is really pretty, yeah. beautiful. So I love the color and that's kind of where the green vibe comes from in all of my branding. So like I contrast that with green trays that really help mm-hmm. bring out the gold. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So then in addition to this, I also have like recreated their matchbooks. Um, so what's funny about these is when I ordered this, it still has like the Versailles mm. address on there. Wow. And they sent them to that address. <gasps> no, they yeah. But I was able to like yeah, stop, stop, it. stop it, luckily. But I love them. And a family friend actually sent me an image of them. I never had it from my grandfather. She saw it on the New York Archives website. And wow. I was immediately like, wow, like I don't have that personally. So I'm so excited that you did that. That is yeah. just so cool. And so then on the back it says Prunus, just to oh, tie that's it into really the brand. Neat. Really. Um, neat. 
And you can see the color again here yeah. like yeah. from that Versailles. They were known for their sage green tablecloth. So it was, that. yeah. everything. Yeah. And then one other really fun thing that um, we do is make stationery. And a lot of the stationery is inspired by their uh, menus, which had like hand watercolored, oh, whatever. Oh. And I can show you a few. So with these, I collaborate with my really good friend, Pauline de Roussy de Sales. She's a wonderful artist um, and illustrator. So we'll go through imagery together and we'll take references from their menus and whatever. So here are some um, different cards that this we've done so together. Great. And let's see, this is, is beautiful. Thank really you. Pretty. And here is one of like the um, archival books that my grandfather made um, with all the showgirls images oh, that are autographed and um, these we will like shoot jewelry on, but I haven't really, you know, referenced these uh -huh. particularly other than just drawing inspiration from the beautiful jewelry that yeah. a lot of the women wore then. Um, and here's also just one of those um, show guides and programs wow. where you can see that kind of oh, that is whimsical nature yeah. in their um, illustrations that I like to work yeah. with Pauline on. But yeah, beautiful, beautiful. I'm yeah. so glad you have somebody to do that with. Yeah, absolutely. Keep it going. Okay, so let's talk about what are some stories that your grandfather told you about Versailles? So I, unfortunately he passed when I was like young. Mm -hmm. So I was in middle school when he passed. So I didn't get as many adult stories that were really you know, strong, but mm -hmm. I do remember how proud he was of the Versailles. We have all the cups and the forks mm -hmm. and napkins still. Yeah. He kept those in such great condition. Um, so I remember he actually left me a letter that wrote all of the um, different performers and their names wow. and the dates wow. of when they performed at the Versailles. Wow. Along with all the newspaper clippings wow. about the club. And really, if it weren't for him, I would have little you know, inspiration from it. Like right. this archive is so, so powerful. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. it is remarkable. Yeah. How long was it a, a club? So I believe it started in like the late, early thirties. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say late twenties, mm -hmm. but early thirties until the fifties. God, that's great. Yeah, so it had a decent yeah, yeah, you know, period absolutely. for New York City. You need City. to bring it back. Yeah, I know. That, <laughs> there's actually a, a steakhouse there now. Yeah. Well, Still has the bones. Yeah. <laughs> Still has the bones of the club, so you can see like yeah. the theater or the yeah. stage part of it. Yeah, that's yeah. wonderful. Okay, so after you had the idea to start a jewelry line, mm -hmm. what steps did you take to make that happen? So it was a pretty natural process. I um, when I graduated from school, I designed freelance for a different a couple of different designers mm -hmm. and. Um, while through that process, I was also designing for family and friends, and that's where it all started. And I, I really enjoyed creating one of a kind pieces with with clients, and um, I loved that process. And I started to accumulate a lot of designs that I wanted to create, and that's where I decided this is a good collection and a and a strong body of work. So why not? now market it, brand it, mm -hmm. and 
yeah, so it was pretty natural how it yeah. started. And I'm really uh, amazed by what's happened in the past yeah. year. It's awesome. It's I, I great. Really, yeah. <laughs> so exciting. Very exciting. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about the decision to use 22 karat gold and tell us about what this color, how do you get this insanely pure gold color? Yeah, so I love 22 karat because it's the most historical alloy of gold. When you go to the mat where mm -hmm. you know, the mm -hmm. body transform right now, um, you see 22 karat um, over and over mm -hmm. for early mm -hmm. civilization mm -hmm. jewelry, mm -hmm. sort of ancient jewelry. Um, and I think there's something really magical about the color. It, mm -hmm. it's a, So for my design purposes and intention is that you can be wearing these pieces your whole lifetime. They're not going to oxidize or tarnish. Mm -hmm. And what's also really cool to me is that this piece can get buried, you know, oh, and in sure. 2,000 years, right. it'll be intact. Right. So I think there's something really special about yeah. that. And then another part of the um, 22 karat that I love is how soft, mm -hmm. but also the actual look of the gold mm -hmm. is soft mm -hmm. and buttery. And mm -hmm. um, I alloy all of the gold at my studio uptown in the jewelry district. And um, I do that because I'm very particular about the actual gold coloring because mm -hmm. sometimes commercial 22 karat gold will have other metals mm -hmm. other than copper and fine silver in okay. it. And I don't know, I, I think yeah, yeah. That makes sense. keeping it super clean is important, but I mean, it's, it goes back and forth. So then I also use recycled gold. So, and I'm buying it from a refiner who mm -hmm. has refined from scrap gold. Mm -hmm. So if you're selling your gold jewelry, right? they can extract 24 karat from oh. it. And then I alloy it again. So it's it's very mm -hmm. recycled, yeah, the process. Um, but it's really yeah. pretty. Thank it's you. It's got such a glow to it. Right. You know? And as you wear it, your skin's oils polish the gold, which I love. Oh, it really becomes part of you and, and a second skin. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's what I love, like how mm -hmm. joy can mm -hmm. be worn with you and mm -hmm. growing with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then where do you find the stones that you use in your pieces? So I travel to Tucson in February each year and Tucson is like an amazing show to source gemstones mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. and I also have a lot of great vendors I work with here in mm -hmm. the city. There's mm -hmm. so many amazing gemstone dealers and that are all certified, you know, mm -hmm. they're audited every year. They're part of organizations mm -hmm. that ensure um, responsible sourcing mm -hmm. and oh, ethically mined. Mm -hmm. So I'm only shopping from people with those rights. Yeah. Okay. Growing up, did you always know you wanted to have a jewelry line or your own company? So maybe it wasn't jewelry. I actually, my, both of my parents are entrepreneurs and I've always loved mm -hmm. business. It was kind of like a hobby of mine as a kid. <laughs> That's a good like, hobby. I, <laughs> yeah. So like my first company was called the Java Chip Cafe. I, <laughs> I love like, it. Yeah. I love when that. I was probably in fourth grade, yes. my, my parents' friends would come over and I would, you know, there was this bar like um, set it up. Yeah, so I set it up to be a coffee shop. I would make their cupboards like my signage and oh, yeah, so I took cute. over. And so if it wasn't that and as I grew up 
I went to FIT mm-hmm. for um, like pre pre high school even. Oh wow! I went when I was eleven and twelve, and I took some classes there, and then wow, was like, oh, I want to start a T-shirt company with my friend, and you wow. know, we tried all these things out, and it, I loved it. I loved the branding and. I loved the, like creating stories and yeah. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. <laughs> and how do you determine the pricing for your pieces? So a lot of it is because of the gold and the stones. Mm-hmm. That's the majority of the sure. pricing right there. Um, and then uh, the labor that yeah. goes into it. So I also work with like three other really great jewelers in the jewelry district mm-hmm. and um, so it's labor, materials, mm-hmm. um, packaging, that's all priced in. Sure. So, yeah. So much time it takes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The process of just like what you were talking about, getting the gold ready. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what goes into making a piece of your jewelry? Oh, so each piece, I have a lot of one of a kind, so it varies. But let's see, like chains are really interesting, and especially like the one I'm wearing right now, which I think is a little stuck. Um, so these are uh, made to order handwoven chains. They're all, I mean, everything's handmade, but this one in particular has granulated end caps. Um, each link is handwoven, and we start by like creating a very long piece of wire okay. that we create a spiral from, and then you cut it open and you have wow. all these links. So they're all the con- a consistent wow. size. You fuse each link and then you weave them together. Wow. You shape them and weave them. And then um, the end caps themselves, each ball is made by hand. Mm. So, um, it's, this is a very labor-intensive process, yeah, definitely. and it's one of—it's an ancient, right. you know, technique right. of um, chain. And even like the class, yeah, like that's reference a, to ancient mm-hmm, and class. class. Yeah, yeah. I know when I was first designing the pieces, I refused to use any like um, hinges or right. mechanisms that weren't right that yeah. were modern, and now I've evolved. Yeah. <laughs> So I have like a spring clasp in one of my um, pieces now. So this is a fibula clasp that's been designed after um, ancient fibulas that were okay. basically a safety pin of <laughs> those times that were oh, worn neat. to like fasten clothing. Yeah. And so in this variety, I've created like a lobster claw that needs a, a spring. So well, sure. yeah. we'll give it all. That's great. Yeah. And then let's talk about where do you get inspiration for your pieces? Oh, everywhere. Um, I love going to the Met. Um, if I'm in a pinch for inspiration, like on a one-of-a-kind piece for a client, I'll mm-hmm. go to the Met. But I really look yeah. a lot at a lot of my grandparents' books. I love like that, that is really my yeah, major it's source. It's so neat to think about the person, even the person that wrote the book, certainly the person that right. created the pottery, but even the person that put this book together. Yeah. I mean, I have no sure. idea that all these years later, you're creating yeah. something yet again yeah. from that same yeah, piece. Yeah, absolutely. That's magnificent. Yeah, and then I also love going upstate New York on the weekends. Mm-hmm. I love antiquing. Mm-hmm. I'm... You can tell by your apartment. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a it's a hobby, a bad hobby. It's sometimes. a fun hobby. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. It's when fun. you're you filled and decorated to the point where you just put some stuff yeah, up, keep and adding, just keep recycling. Yeah, yeah. 
Definitely. So those are two major sources. Um, those are great sources. Yeah. Okay, and then let's talk about how often do you come out with new pieces? So I'm always coming out with one of kind pieces. Um, if I'm, you know, shopping for a stone for a particular piece and I see something else that I have to have, <laughs> we'll create a sure. piece based on that. But I do quarterly releases of about five to ten um, chap. I call them chapters, mm -hmm. but five to ten pieces at a time quarterly mm -hmm. is the schedule for everything outside of the one-on-kind um, drops. That's great. And how long does it take to go from concept to a piece that you can sell? So that also varies. Like just this week, I, I thought of a, a design based off of this earring um, where it's just the top and the bottom mm -hmm. as a little stud. Mm -hmm. We made that in two days because you're so excited sure, about it. Yeah. Let's just do it right now. <laughs> oh, I understand so, that. Yeah, that's yeah. great. But then with larger pieces, like even with pieces like this, with the Nona and mm -hmm. the um, teardrop, mm -hmm. that can take a lot of time just Sure. Sourcing a piece, mm -hmm. sourcing stones, finding the right material takes a while. Two stones, and yeah, the same. a match pair. Yeah, well, it sounds like that chain would take some time. Too. Yeah, this oh, one yeah. takes like a, at least two months. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so what advice would you have for someone that wants to start their own line? Hmm. I I'd say really think about how you're going to brand yourself and have a strong vision. Like stay true to your vision and people will tell you otherwise, but if it's like intuitive to you and mm -hmm. it's a gut feeling, you, you just mm -hmm. have to go with that because that's very important. That's great emotion great to have. Yeah. That's great advice. Yeah. And also, I mean, another um, thing is you can't do it all yourself. You need help. Yeah. And that took me a while to accept. Mm -hmm. um, I now have like a really great team that I work with who they're, they're angels. That's like, wonderful. Yeah. That's so lucky. That's hard to find. Yeah. It, it is really hard yeah. to find great people. And it's all about people's personalities. And I love the people I'm working with now. Yeah. So I'm very thankful for that. That's great. Yeah. I'm always fascinated since we're doing this together, mother, daughter. Yeah. My mother's a strong fixture in our lives as well as was my grandmother named Delia. There have been a lot of Delias mm -hmm. that are long gone in our family. And so there is a long list of powerful, or not powerful, but just strong women and close-knit family. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you have mentioned your grandfather, even though he was young, you were young when he um, passed away. But how do you feel like the sense of tradition and, and this connection with the past in your family has not just about a jeweler, but made you who you are right now, mm -hmm. today. Yeah, I, I think it's really um, been strong, mm -hmm. that sense of tradition mm -hmm. and family values mm -hmm. has really transcended each generation mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. um, you know, honesty, having, you know, going for good material, honest material, right. even throughout my business and in life. Right. And I think in jewelry, mm -hmm. that can be iffy oh, sometimes. Oh, sure. So that's something I've been standing behind since yeah. the beginning. And that's great. Yeah. Um, and then 
I, I'd have to say they definitely had a creative gene there that mm -hmm. they passed on, that I'm very thankful for. Yes. My dad, um, he loves music, so that was his mm -hmm. creative outlet. Mm -hmm. My mom is great um, writer, oh, so that's great. her outlet. So it's, yeah. it's come out in many ways, and then my grandparents clearly had a creative right. gene with the Versailles. Yes. And just in general, just have, being a moral person with right. good values has been really important. Right. To me and yes. my business practices. That's excellent. That's yeah. great. And I feel like, I always felt like if Delia knew she had these, sort of these generations behind her, if she had this rock, then she could go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Because she knew she had people that had her back. That yeah. believed in her. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you can certainly do it if you don't have that. Right. Um, but it is a nice... It's a nice, yeah. I think it makes you sometimes brave, right? You know, absolutely. I, I really try, yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, right. They well. definitely pass on courage, mm -hmm. and bravery. Yeah. So, and tell us a little bit about the um, the Vogue article and how that came about. Yeah. So um, Emily Farah wrote an article in August. Um, about the brand and me and it was such a thrill it was about um, a lot about the history of the brand about the Versailles um, my Greek roots and my heritage I was actually in Greece while we had our interview oh, neat. yeah on the phone oh, that's and, great. yeah I was visiting my family's um, hometown wow in Metsavu Greece wow and that's in northern Greece by Albania's border okay it's actually right there it's like a mountainous region of Greece oh, so it's not the islands in any yeah, way but yeah. it's really beautiful and alpine yeah. yeah so I loved how she blended the New York um, inspiration mm -hmm. and you know quoted like an East River meets the Mediterranean yeah. and I thought that was a really Great way to way to word it. it, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because it's true. Like I, I'm not trying to make like very glitzy mm -hmm. jewelry, and I feel that way about New York. New York can be grungy, and I'm not right. saying my jewelry is grungy, but no, no, yes, it's um, an everyday piece. Authentic. Authentic. Yeah. Right. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think that's true to like the East River. You know, that's yeah, that's, that's kind of inspiration. Yeah, so it's a place. So I think right. that's right. So yeah, your your roots go way back, and so you're very you're still very connected to that. Yeah, mm -hmm. to the to Greece. So that's great too. And it certainly yeah. shows through. <laughs> and so, how did you decide to use your last name for the brand? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, I guess I was always really proud of my grandparents, my parents, mm -hmm. my family, and mm -hmm. so I wanted an homage mm -hmm. to them, and I felt it was the best way to do that it's it was lovely. just directly it named it. it goes with the jewelry yeah i mean it's perfect <laughs> thanks yeah i think it's a wonderful name. and then in how did you hone your aesthetic hmm. well i i'm also like creating jewelry that i would want to wear mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that's part of how the aesthetic has evolved um and i i like to think of it as three categories of jewelry that i'm thinking about and creating more accessible pieces. Mm -hmm. So I'm selling single earrings where you can wear a stud. Mm -hmm. um, and then creating, you know, larger earrings that are mid-range, like mm -hmm. your pearls mm -hmm. um, and rings, and then creating more bespoke couture, one-of-a-kind pieces. Mm -hmm. So um, I think 
I have like three different yeah mindsets sure for that. And then tell me about the earrings you're wearing. Oh yeah, these are my big hoops. I love things, but they're like something that you know on an archaeological dig. Yeah, thanks. That's my dream. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I just yeah. adore. Thank you. Yeah, so these are the duo hoops. And I love to name all the pieces that have reference to either Greek pottery mm -hmm. or um, Greco-Roman language. Mm -hmm. So duo means two in Latin. Mm -hmm. I love um, using that kind of language either if it's two. It, so here there's two um, right. grooves, essentially, okay. two bars that make up one earring. Yeah. So these are the duos. Um, I've always loved a big gold hoop. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So I had to have them in the collection. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And they're great. Food. I definitely went through a phase where I always wore big. Well, that's because big. like you and I have um, bold coloring and we're tall. Yeah, yeah. And so sometimes something very small doesn't, especially with your right. hair, doesn't show up as well. Right. So that yeah. gold hoop just. Yeah, pops. Yeah. Yeah. Stunning. Thank you. And how did you learn to start and grow a business? Well, really my parents. I oh, have, yeah, I have so much to thank them because they, they're both entrepreneurs. Like I said, my father was, um, in data discovery or research wow. and my mom was, um, in advertising and they both had their own businesses with large, um, great, uh, large companies. I guess. Yeah. Okay. So what does the future of Prunus look like? Well, I'm definitely going to be continuing jewelry, but right. I love homeware. So I'm actually um, starting to work with a friend who has a furniture company on wow. home accessories. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So when you say furniture company and then you say accessories, where, what are we talking about? Are we talking about so, furniture? Or? Not furniture per se. Story. Right. So we're um, potentially working on a mirror, um, some oh, candlesticks, nice. coasters, that kind of vibe. Yeah. yeah so home accessories. Perfect. That's a great yeah. extension of this. Yeah, I think so. Because I love interiors. Um, yeah. Definitely, if well, I could have a second job, it would be right. an interior decorator. But right now, I'm <laughs> kind a of a little busy. Busy. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's next. And then I also love candles and perfume, and I mm -hmm. think that would be another extension as well. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So what is it that you love about jewelry? Oh, I love how. It's just so personal, personal and intimate. And I, when I buy jewelry or when I make jewelry now, because I really just wear my own, um, I'm, I'm making it with the intention of everyday wear and a durability. So I'm taking into consideration the stone's hardness, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. the right. hardness yeah. scale. Sure. You don't think about since like geology class. Yeah. Right. But yeah. So I'm making sure that each of the stones isn't going to break and it really will live beyond you. Yeah. I mean, um, and I love just how magical it is and how much meaning and memory can be stored in a piece. Like I have a few pieces that were my grandmother's and I'm not saying I feel like she's there, oh, but no. like I feel like she, there's part of her with me. Of and course. I like you were saying earlier, like knowing that you have a strong family or backbone of some sort, right? There was love yes. that's like stored in those pieces. Yes. And I hope that people who are buying my pieces have that same intention or of yeah. course they do, but yeah, those kinds of memories and right. placed in objects. 
Okay, so how did you learn to make jewelry? So earlier I was saying I took some classes at FIT. That was my first jewelry class when I was about 12. And <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it was like a, a, a week-long program. Yeah, um, great. Or two weeks it was, whatever it was. But um, I made like a little copper bangle. It was cute. Yeah. I think I still have it. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of um, let go of jewelry for a while and just loved collecting vintage jewelry. Mm -hmm. um, so I wasn't necessarily making it, but mm -hmm. I definitely loved it. Every time I went and traveled somewhere new, I wanted to get a ring for that memory. Yeah. Um, and then I um, went to school and I at first studied biology, which <laughs> I don't know what I was doing there. And I took an um, I took a sculpture class while I was doing that because I always loved the arts. Right, I always wanted to create. create. Yeah, and so then from sculpture, you had to take sculpture before taking jewelry. I took jewelry and I loved it. I fell in love immediately. And then in the summers between school, I would take ancient goldsmithing or ancient. Yeah, well, at first I was using silver, so yeah. <laughs> I didn't jump into gold sure. straight away. So ancient jewelry making classes with a woman based here in New York named Cecilia Bauer, um, and she still is teaching classes. So right. anyone who's yeah. interested in learning chain making, granulation, bezel making, wow. um, she's a great teacher for that. And and so yeah, I mean that's where I learned really. Yeah. That's great. Okay, so let's talk about, you probably don't have a typical day or week, yeah. but what what does a week look like for you? Oh, wow, it's all over the place. Um, so typically I get into work and I have a really lovely um, woman that works with me named Emily and we'll kind of go over what needs to get done, what orders are, you know, in work and um yeah, those kinds of steps. And then um, we'll get an order for a one of a kind and we'll have to source stone. So then one of us will either go to the stone, stone store and source pieces for it. Um, and then I usually spend about two or two, three hours on my bench because I'm still mm -hmm. making a lot of the pieces. Sure. And if not, I'm actually finishing every single piece because nobody can seem to get my finishing <laughs> the way I want it, you know, right, obviously. Right, right. <laughs> um, um, lots of emails. That's mm -hmm. a big part. Um, and then usually I, I'm out by six and I don't work after six. That's great. Um, I think that's really important because in the beginning it was getting really hard for me to make a break from work. Um, because it's so exciting right. and I would be doing this until like midnight every right. night if sure. I could and exactly. sometimes my boyfriend's just like you need to Hello. chill. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah and then if it's you know I also try to incorporate some more to the workday as well like next week um, Emily and I are going to volunteer and help um, put together Thanksgiving meals for um, women in need, which is a really great, great. organization. Great. That helps women in need. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like that. And um, more cultural things too, like I'll go to the Met and definitely sure. going to body print. You're going to, oh, yeah, that. I'm going to love that. Yeah. The new jewelry exhibition. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. So, yeah. 
that's that's about it. Well, that's great that you um, have learned to take some breaks. Yeah, I think it's really I mean it's important. I mean you have to yeah you have to yeah to be able to keep it keep the creativity going right. And then on the weekends I take off as well. Um, unless it's an emergency, right? <laughs> right, which happens oh, sure. more often than usual. Um, yeah, I have a question too. So, some designers have said sometimes it's a it's a lonely, not really lonely, but you're alone a lot. Now you have a team that you're mm-hmm. working with, but um, I think other jewelry designers will enjoy listening to your story too because they wonder how other people mm-hmm. um, what their process is like. So, yeah, so it is kind of a yeah, absolutely. It it can be very lonely, and um, I think I'm finally at a point where I can be around people a lot. Mm-hmm. I also share my studio with two other companies, so oh, that's good. yeah, there's a lot of people. But when I started out, I was actually reverse commuting from here to my parents' home oh, on Long Island. Okay, and I had a bench. I still have it there, mm-hmm. set up in their basement, and classic story you know yeah. she wouldn't go back to mom and dad yeah, yeah. <laughs> worked from their basement and yeah. I, I mean it was awesome because I would be with my dog there sure. their, their dog my dog yeah. too right um and um but it was really lonely yeah yeah and you can go get it's a little stir crazy it's yeah. isolating um it's not as inspiring mm-hmm. so then I rented out a bench from a more communal space mm-hmm. for a while and I met um another jeweler and we both went and moved into this other jeweler or company's mm-hmm. um, office space. So we have an office and a bench. Nice. Um, and it's great because it's a great community. We can each ask each other questions. Both of us are kind of in, a, in an emerging state while the other mm-hmm. one's more advanced. Mm-hmm. So um, that's great. Lots of questions all the time. Yeah. It's, a, it's very supportive. Mentoring. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, that couldn't be better. No, got a good team. Yeah, got a great space. Yeah, can always use a little more space, but it's yeah, great. well, in New York, <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, especially in the jewelry district where everyone is usually like in a little right four by four. Right, <laughs> it's, yeah, nice. It's but it's great. Yeah, and you are extremely young. And yeah, you're so impressive. So, how old were you when you started your line? Well, there was a, a year period where okay. I was half and half. I was still working um, sure. other jobs and then sure. also working on this collection and this company. Um, so then I was 22, but I officially launched at um, 24. Wow. <laughs> That's great. Okay. So the big question, of course, is where can people actually buy these gorgeous pieces? So... We have a couple of wholesalers now, or stores, mm-hmm. um, and first we sell online at prunishjewelry.com. Okay. We're also available in-store at Dover Street Market in New York, and now in LA. They just opened an LA location. So amazing. Beautiful. Um, and then Catbird in Brooklyn, they were my first retailer, and they're, they're so great to work with, um, as is Dover Street. Um, and yeah. then in Copenhagen, we're in Lightly. Ooh. Which is a really great shop. Oh, that's yeah. great. And then pop-ups here and there. We're also, yeah, so those are the main three retailers. Yeah. There's also. Sure. Yeah. And then I'm also on my friend's um, 
online shop called Desert Vintage who has oh. killer vintage, oh, like really beautiful pieces. Okay, Desert Vintage. Yeah. And then Neighbor in Vancouver for the month of November. Yeah. You and just never know where, where yeah. it'll pop up. Yeah. <laughs> but it lives at Dover Street Market, which is such a compliment to you. Thanks. And they're very lucky to have you. Yeah. Um, you're in great, great company there. Yeah. And then on your site. Yes. So we'll have all of that in the description so people can easily find it. But um, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Style That Binds Us podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We would love it if you would go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe. The best way for us to know your thoughts is if you rate and review the Style That Binds Us podcast. This will give us the opportunity to know what you'd like to see from us in the future. Follow along on our adventures on social media at The Style That Binds Us, at Allison Brune, at Delia Folk are our handles. Until next time.